Hey, welcome to Retail's Most Wanted. It's the podcast that examines the latest issues related to organized retail crime and how retailers and policymakers are fighting against today's organized crime syndicates. My name's Marty Carpenter. I'm your host. And coming up on today's show, we're going to have a conversation with Paul Jekyll. He's the vice president for asset protection at Meyer. They're a big retailer in the Midwest, and Paul has some great insight into how they have worked with AGs across a number of states to deal with ORC. Great conversation that's coming up right after this. Retail's Most Wanted is brought to you in partnership with the Attorney General Alliance, where U.S. state attorneys general collaborate on emerging legal issues and the rule of law at home and across borders. Learn more at agalliance.com. Retail's Most Wanted is brought to you in partnership with LVT, securing physical environments through intelligent automation. Learn more at lvt.com. That's lvt.com. Paul Jekyll, right? Think of that time? Yeah. You got it. Uh, Paul, first of all, thanks for taking some time with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, Let's start here. Tell us a little bit about Meyer, and then tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with the company. Yeah, perfect. So Meyer is a Midwest uh, grocery chain, uh, Supercenter format, uh, based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 270 stores, 75,000 employees, uh, family-owned company. Uh, so you think about the grocery space, uh, highly competitive, uh, pretty resilient to see a family-owned company hang out for 90 years and uh, still be successful. So uh, my role is uh, the Vice President of Asset Protection and Safety. Uh, So we are responsible for any investigative work, uh, financial losses for the company that uh, would be of malicious purposes, uh, as well as overall safety for our customers and our team members in the stores. So So you were a grocery store that became more of a superstore and ORC is only your problem because of that, because no one goes in and steals fruits and vegetables. Yeah, to of course not. Crime. Of course not. Yeah, the, the, nothing of value on, on produce. No, yeah. that's hardly from the truth. There's a, there's a lot of loss that happens <laughs> across the network. So help me understand the – help me quantify this problem for – Meyer in specific, um, how big of a problem is ORC to your organization? Yeah, I'd say it's the fastest growing aspect of where we're seeing loss come in across the network. The um, you know we look at for us we're a total loss retailer. So you think about produce as an example. We know that we're wasting product when we throw it away when it ages out or it starts to decay. Uh, so that that for us is loss. So we're always going to have just natural progression. But the fastest area that's growing in the business is related to organized retail crime. Um, for us, we've got a lot of national brands uh, that are highly desirable. So whether it be our high-end liquor uh, that we have inside of the stores, uh, any of our um, apparel products, Nike, Adidas, things that are capable for resale and have value outside of the four walls of our stores. Um, that's where it's at. Uh, from a quantification standpoint, you know, about half of our, our loss overall is happening from non-malicious purposes. The other half is probably malicious. Uh, and then I think as you look at that, you know, we, we've kind of quantified up that organized retail crime was maybe 25% of the malicious opportunity is coming from that, uh, which is drastically different uh, than what we would have seen just even a couple of years ago. Yeah. Sometimes we hear that uh, retailers sort of take this super hands-off approach yep. when it comes to RC. I'm wondering on something even as simple as like, you know the types of things that are being targeted in your stores by organized retail crime groups. Do you Does that go into how, like where you place them in a store where you'd say like, well, we want it here because that's where it'll sell best, but it's also more vulnerable if it's there to someone coming in? Well, there's a degree of education that has to happen with that. Um, you know, most of most of the merchant group and, and those that are involved with sales don't really think about 
uh, all the things that could go wrong with it. And so a lot of our conversations actually start internally to just keep keep this education alive of saying, if you bring it, they will come, whether it be those that are paying or those that just desire to have it. Uh, and so we do spend some time talking about mitigation strategies. That could be placement. It could be um, number of quantities that we decide to put out. Is there some sort of mitigation device that we're going to put on that that's going to limit capability or any damage of that product that you know we would lose it in mass? Um, or if there's things that we need to be doing that's tracking that product, uh, if it if it is you know highly sought after, highly stolen, uh, highly resaleable. So uh, we do look at all that stuff. We also look at certain stores that we have to put that in, or that we choose not to put that in, uh, just because that that store, that community, it just has such a challenge with um, theft that that really becomes problematic from an ORC standpoint. Right. So there are things that you actually do within the store then and make some decisions along those lines. But of course, that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that you can do, though we have heard that a lot of retailers are either reluctant or just don't feel like they know exactly to whom they should reach out. That's not been the case with you guys. I understand you've done more work with the attorneys general, specifically in the states you're in, obviously. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, this is... um, I think it's a a degree of education. You know, historically, people would have thought about theft as just being basically shoplifting. And you may have gotten to a point where there was felony theft because the value was so high. I don't think that was really understood about what organized retail crime was at that purpose, right? And so, um, you know, organized retail crime is really kind of a profit engine of other criminal activity in a lot of regards because it's easy to be able to transfer something into a liquid value that funnels some other criminal enterprise. For us, as that as that topic really started to gain um, education with any of the legislators or communities or uh, even with our law enforcement partners, we really spent a significant amount of time, especially in the advent of what happens with the internet and digital marketplaces of, man, all that stuff is just moving. And it, it could be any seller that's putting that on online for resale purposes and um, not a lot of consequence. So as, as the activity really in the legislative space started to heat up and say, okay, well, what do we need to do to actually regulate this? How do we control it? How do we prosecute against some of that stuff? Um, Michigan, as an example, is an area that we, we have a pretty heavy number of stores that we operate. Um, we also have a really good uh, relationship within our communities as well as with the legislature. And so we were really a, a pretty big uh, a proponent to, to help get some of that funding in place and standing up uh, the AG's task force and getting some bills signed uh, over the course of the last year with the governor's office as well. So um, it's been a it's been a good success so far. Um, just you know, tip of the spear in terms of what we're getting out of that. But there's a, a high number of uh, investigations that are sitting out there that are you know ready to ready to be worked. Yeah, as we've talked to some of the key players in the Michigan Attorney General's office yeah. in particular, they've talked about the importance of breaking down barriers, these yeah. silos, especially between the retailers who are impacted and the AG's office. I wonder if you could tell me more about what you've done specifically in your working relationship with the Michigan AG's office. Yeah, so uh, we have a really good data sharing process with them. Uh, so as we start to uncover and unpack individual investigations, we also understand that they're relatively new in their in their uh, process. Uh, and so we're trying to help build out investigations that's making it easier for them to be able to to seek the closure the way that we would have expected or the, the way that uh, they, that they want to get that prosecuted. Um, so we've made some decisions on are there certain cases that we're going to give to local law enforcement? 
Are there certain ones that we're giving into the state uh, level through the AG's office? Are there ones that we need to be thinking about federally? Um, for the or organized retail crime uh, group in the uh, AG's office, we've spent a lot of time educating them about how our technology is able to identify individuals, how we are able to aggregate all of our data that says that this is not just a localized issue, this is impacting multiple stores that we have, or even potentially with other retailers, that helps build that case and kind of gives some credence to this is not just a theft. This is criminal enterprise work that is uh, sitting in, in front of us. So um, we've spent a lot of time you know, working cases directly with them, not just handing it over and say, help us get this prosecuted. Uh, there's a degree of education that we've, we've spent with them on, going on, on seizures and trying to identify a product and also helping them understand really the, the problems that a retailer is facing uh, you know, every individual day based off of uh, this growing epidemic. Do you think a group like Meyer picks up a reputation then for saying we take this seriously? I'm thinking as as a matter of deterrence, right? Does someone say, "Hey, there are a number of targets in Michigan, Kentucky, Illinois yeah. <laughs> that we could go after"? Meyer takes this seriously. Maybe we should look for somewhere I, else. I think I think that there are things that um, I'll say it this way. I think criminal activity thieves oftentimes think path of least resistance. And so there's going to be things that we're going to have to deploy in our stores that is going to make it more difficult and uh, a different hurdle for them to be able to jump over. Um, that could be deterrent devices. It could be things that we're um, hardening the target on the exterior of the building that just says, uh, you're probably going to get caught. There's going to be certain things that you're going to see. There may be things that we got to do to protect the merchandise. I do think those things are seen. I don't know how much that gets collaborated because I think the consequence ultimately is what's the criminal penalty on the back mm -hmm. end of that, right? Um, and so, you know, for us, a lot of a lot of our work that we've been doing is trying to educate really the masses of the difference between shoplifting and organized retail crime, and those are different types of theft that should carry different penalties with one having a significantly more impactful overall consequence for those actors. I'm interested in this uh, general idea that you are an expert as as a, a representative of a, a retailer, um, and then you can work with a particular AG's office, say mm -hmm. in Michigan, but you become kind of an interesting and valuable expert uh, as you build this expertise from the experience you've had. You get one AG's office and you're working closely, let's say with Michigan, yeah. but you operate in other states. When you go work with those attorneys uh, general and then their offices and their work on to combat this issue, you bring some subject matter expertise where you're saying, hey, this is how it, ha it impacts us in this state and what this office has done. I wonder what kind of, uh, do you find like a receptive audience when you work with AGs that we, way? We do. And I think part of it is also just a general education, right? So this is, if you think about this, just over maybe the last four or five years, right? Uh, organized retail crime has really become the, the novelty name of what mm -hmm. we're actually talking about. And so you have different states that are understanding it at different regards. Some are putting resources to it. Some are not. You're seeing a, a challenge with law enforcement, with staffing opportunities right now. And so how do you start to separate that out? Um, you know, we've been pretty active with Michigan. Obviously, Illinois has a really good uh, AG's uh, uh, task force on this as well. And we've started to lean in now with some of our other states of just saying, hey, look, if you want to build something, 
there's a roadmap that does in fact exist. Here's a couple of different options on how different states have funded this. Here's different ways that they've set up their resources to be able to support it. Um, and you know, here's what we as a retailer can do to help kind of get that up and, and running. I'll get you out of here on this. What's the biggest reason to be optimistic about the fight against organized retail crime? Well, I think I think at, at some point in time, people are going to realize that it's more than just the financials that are impacting it, right? Um, nobody, if you think about it this way, nobody wants to go to a grocery store and think that there's fear of risk uh, associated to it. The level of violence that's involved with this, the level of weapons that we're seeing that are, are kind of also tied to that, uh, the impact that it's having in our community as a whole, all of those things, I think, are the, the components that are going to pull on communities to say something's got to change. There's got to be some way that we look at this a little bit differently than just looking at it as petty shoplifting, right? At some point, you know, the, the level of resources that we're putting into it is, is going to start to become a little bit top-heavy unless we start to get some, some movement on this thing that, uh, that gives us the, the ability of being able to curb it a different way. Yeah. Great conversation with Paul. Really appreciate him making some time for us. That's all for this episode of Retail's Most Wanted. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, as always, LVT and the Attorney General Alliance. For you, don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button so you can catch each episode. We're going to drop a new one each two weeks, and you can also check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find those links in the show notes. Thanks for being with us, everyone, and keep up the good fight.